0: Taking down a little brewski before the podcast. A little Modelo. I like that. I love Modelo. Yeah. Actually. You know. that to chillax. All right. On that note, what is up? Welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches brought to you by SodaSoccer.com. My name is Jeremy Rushing alongside Dominic Jose Bazzonio. as always. It's episode 82. Uh, if you haven't checked us out on the socials at SodaSoc. If you haven't checked out the website, it's SodaSoccer.com. If you haven't checked out the Patreon patreon.com slash sodasoccer help support what we do here at sodasoccer.com time to bring in my co-host mr dominic jose Bazonio. dom how you doing i'm
1: doing great jeremy i just watched uh, the new england revolution destroy pumas in the CONCACAF champions league and uh full disclosure i am keeping tabs on the cruces uh montreal match as we do this but uh yeah i'm uh, i'm Having a having a, a good week, I think, and uh, excited to talk about talk about all the soccer action.
0: It wouldn't be an episode of Ten K if one of our attention was was halfway <laughs> on a Champions League match. Well, look, I mean, we did the Minnesota United roundtable two weeks ago. Yeah. Everybody had one eye on Colorado, and I can't even remember who they were playing. Uh, i mean, that's yeah. We're talking about shovels half the time, so well, you know, that's priority. That's what standard. you get for Ten K. <laughs> You get, you get, and, and if anything notable happens, Dom, as as tradition, you have to let us know. You have to stop absolutely in the middle of the podcast and let us know what's happening, and also keep us up to date on how many shovels are on the field too. That's really the most important wow uh, That's a stat. The whole night in Mexico of. City. True, true. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. Dom, I was not there at Allianz Field. Well, obviously, uh, you weren't there either, but you watched the game and did the post-leans. Did you see any shovels at Allianz Field used?
1: you know uh gosh well there was definitely equipment at one point being used to help like drain the field uh but it was more I moisture
0: guess, not so much snow yeah
1: it was more of a rain situation than a snow situation from what i recall so i don't know if there was really a lot of shovels which is probably the real tragedy of mm. i know we dropped points but what we really dropped was the shovel and so uh yeah. I, i'm hoping that that gets addressed to uh, yeah, I, I talked a bit about about the squad and substitutions, but what I really hope Adrian Heath addresses this this weekend is is the shovel situation. But yeah, it was uh, not not great weather for the folks that came out to Allianz this weekend.
0: Yeah, we're running out of time. I almost wanted to like put like a, a over under on the sho- on how many shovels would be used at Allianz Field this season, but we're running out of time. Next home match isn't until the nineteenth, and then once you get into April, who knows. So I was going to set the over-under at like 2.5. I thought that was like a pretty good one, but we may not get any at this point. Who knows? And as I say that, it's probably going to be like eight feet of snow on March 19th. (laughs) Um, We'll have 12 shovels out there. But anyways, I digress. That's enough shovel talk for this episode. Um, One thing you should do if you have not gone back and listened to Eli Hoff and... The aforementioned Dominic Jose Bozonio here. They were on post-loons breaking down the 1-1 draw with Nashville immediately after the match. SodaSoccer.com brings you the only immediate post-game Minnesota United analysis available. You know, outside of what Cal and Kinder do, they do an awesome job, but you only get really like 20 minutes to a half hour of that post-game show and then Valley Sports just goes on to whatever other programming they want to put on. But we sort of extend that out and we give you, you know, an hour, hour and a half's worth of analysis and a media breakdown after every Minnesota United match. So if you don't have a subscribed on your preferred podcast platform, please do that. Um, you can listen back to the episodes after they're live, or if you want to check us out live and interact with the Post Loons live streams, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter at SodaSOC. Those are the two platforms you can find a live edition of Post Loons. Dom, this was your first Post Loons on Saturday. Thank you again for filling in while I was out of town. What'd you think? Did you enjoy it?
1: Yeah, it was great uh, talking with Eli and uh, knowing him for a long time, uh, all the way back to, with uh, E Pluribus Lunum, actually. Um, and uh, so it was great to, Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was great to to work with him on that. And uh, yeah, it was an interesting match to talk about. Um, for sure. It might have been more fun to talk about a win, but it was certainly fun to, to talk about all the different dynamics with the roster right now with the result of course in the game and uh yeah so had a great time
0: absolutely let's go ahead and dive into that i haven't been able to kind of give my thoughts and my feedback i rewatched the game today wednesday at the time of recording i was not able to catch it live i was in in arizona actually uh at my bachelor party so you know i, I, I guess it's up for interpretation on whether or not that's a good enough excuse to miss a minnesota <laughs> united game but um i did want to put the post loons live stream up on one of the screens at the bar we were at dom i want i wanted to try to see if i could i pulled up like the chromecast on my phone i was like i wonder if these any of these tvs what if i'm able to just like cast it and like override whatever's on the tv uh unfortunately not the case the the bar was a little bit smarter than i on that on that (laughs) note but i gave it a good effort dom and i was we were sitting there at the table i actually had my phone out and was watching you guys Um, I could barely hear what you were saying, but I had it on the phone, so I was (laughs) lending my support uh, from a couple thousand miles away. Uh, But anyways, it was a 1-1 draw with Nashville at home, the home opener at Allianz Field, in a rain-drenched, lightning-filled afternoon-slash-evening in St. Paul. Starting 11, Miller in goal, DeBossi on the left. uh, Or excuse me, DeBossi DeBossi left center back, Boxall right center back. No, sorry. Okay. Let's try that again. Miller and goal. Debassi left back. Brent Coleman left center back. Michael Boxall right center back. O'Neill Fisher all on the right. Back uh, in the defensive midfield, it was Sonny Dotson and Will Trapp. Robin Ludd on the right. Reynosa with the 10. Fragapani on the left. Luis San Maria at striker. There we go. I think I got all that right. Um, probably no no surprises there when it comes to who was, who was starting. Um You know similar i believe it was the exact same starting 11 that we saw in the um in the uh philadelphia match sans kirvin ariaga who was out with a thorax issue um every minnesota united podcast has tried to uh give their own definition as to what a thorax is um i don't know i i I still don't know i don't i don't think i'll ever know um but uh he was not available in any case for the match so it was uh will trap the good thing will trap was available he returned um so we did get sort of a, a, at least at some level a full strength defensive midfield with dodson and trap um what do you think of the starting 11 uh, obviously probably no surprises um but when, when you saw that coming out how do you think this starting 11 specifically just you know how did you think it would compete with this nashville side heading in so
1: yeah you know i think we all kind of predicted what the starting 11 was going to look for this game you know everyone was sort of uh aware that the trap ariaga thing was going to happen a couple of days before i think even like the episode before the game we talked about that probably happening um so yeah there weren't any big surprises it was mo- more of the same otherwise uh you know i i i i suppose i wasn't happy that we were still you know having to deal with not having our uh, Fullbacks of choice and things like that, but at the same time, I did feel pretty confident that this was a group that performed pretty well week one. Um, particularly with the the back line, they've had a game to, you know, experience this setup, experience you know Debassy playing left back, all these different sort of details and adjustments. So I, I was positive that that would result in a a solid game uh, across the board. Uh, which you know I think is what ended up happening. It's just that a solid game against a good team doesn't always result in a win, and uh, but yeah. So you know when when the starting eleven came came out, like like we've both kind of said already, no real surprises, and and generally I was pretty positive.
0: Yeah, I think that, again that's without Kevin Arriaga. With a healthy wall trap, that's sort of the starting 11 you expect to see. Um, no healthy Chase Gasper, obviously. No healthy Roman Bantenaire, so you're missing both of your fullbacks again. Um, but in the first match, we did see sort of a bend-don't-break approach with that back line. Um, and that's kind of where I want to start. So the back line this time around was a little bit different because we did see a little bit of a switch up at halftime with the back line. Um, And there were a couple of times in the first half where we saw that lack of, I guess, overall quality um, on display with Nashville sort of getting in and being able to do their thing and get some quality chances, including the opening goal. Um, So Adrian Heath decided to make a bit of a switch at halftime with the uh, with the back four, putting O'Neal Fisher from the right to the left, which was I initially I thought a very interesting move. Um, obviously, before I watched the match, I knew that it happened because I had watched the post game show and I had kind of read read everything coming out of that match. Um, but even it's it's like watching a, a show that you've seen before that you that you you know it's going to happen. But in the flow of the show, you're still like there's still that little bit of like doubt in the back of your mind, like like how are they going to do this? I know they're going to do this. How are they going to do this? Um, that was kind of like my thought on moving O'Neill Fisher to the left. I was like, well, this is obviously going to happen, but I don't see. I, I don't, I just don't, I'm still, still like not expecting it in the run of play in the, in the run of the game. So, um, I thought it was an interesting, and that's it's a long way for me to say I thought it was an interesting move to put O'Neill Fisher on the left, but he did, he did really well. He actually played a lot better on the left than he had been on the right. Um, he was getting further up the pitch. He was, uh, I just overall solid. There were really no mistakes, uh, from him. After he went onto the le- left-hand side, he had you know had a few errors on the right over the course of the first couple matches. Um, nothing drastic, nothing super, um, you know, noteworthy. But there were a couple of, of, of flawed instances with him on the right that he just looked a little bit more comfortable on the left and a little bit more consistent on the left um what were your thoughts on that sort of halftime back line change and just i guess the back line performance as a whole given it's another 90 plus of having basically your your second line of the of the back line you know called into a starting role and called to you know play pretty much all the match
1: yeah uh you know and, and uh you know eli and i talked about this a bit on on postlands um i thought that it was uh I was actually a little surprised by the the will of Adrian Heath to make that sort of in-the-moment mm-hmm. um, major change because I don't know if that's necessarily something he's known for, uh, at least while he's been um, head coach of Minnesota United. And uh, you know I, I think that it works quite well. I and mean, when you think about it, one, like you kind of point out, Fisher ended up looking more natural on the left. Then you get DJ Taylor on the right where – he sort of has a established ability. And then at the end of the day you get Debassi playing his preferred position, you get your two starting center backs actually playing as center backs. Uh, and and you know it's uh, this is like a very like uh, two-dimensional observation to make, but it's the only back line setting we've had so far that hasn't conceded. So, you know, it, it's it was a it was a good performance. We looked pretty good with that 4. And, of course, that original back line with Coleman starting in the middle and DeBossi, um on the left did have a, a rough moment in the first half of the Nashville game uh, where they were, you know, kind of allowed themselves to be pulled into an awkward position, which then allowed for Nashville to to create their goal with a sort of late-run back post, something that they actually did against Seattle as well uh, the week before. So, you know, I, I, I don't know for sure – what I would prefer the back line to look like for this Red Bulls game. And I also don't quite know where Gasper and Metanera are in their journeys of recovery. Uh, But I think it is good to know that we have this other setup available, this Taylor and and Fisher and Taylor setup as fullbacks with DeVos back in the middle. It, It had some really good moments, some promising moments. And uh, I think that's good to know that that's an option at the very least.
0: Yeah. And I, I think the most interesting thing to me, not only O'Neill Fisher on the left, but you know DJ Taylor, who was thought to be kind of that backup left back, so to speak. Um, obviously, DeBasi has been playing on the left with Coleman the left center, left center back. I think that is sort of your, your next best thing. But DJ Taylor was thought to be okay if, if we need to put in a strictly left back. DJ Taylor is going to be kind of that next guy to fill in. Well, he goes on the right. So it's sort of completely flip-flopped in terms of what you would expect. Um, I thought Taylor – again, Taylor had had some growing pains, um, you know, that he's worked through a little bit. Um, He didn't look particularly, you know, earth-shatteringly great in the Nashville game, but I don't think there's really enough of a sample size there to say either way whether, okay, it's going to be 2021 all over again with DJ, or it's, you know, we're going to see some, the improvement that we're expecting. I think the jury's the jerseys, the jury is still out on that. But as you mentioned, this is sort of like the best from a goal conceding perspective, the best backline that we have seen so far. Um, And I think it's valuable that these guys are getting minutes too. Um, I think it's sort of a, a vicious circle where if a guy's not playing well, he's not going to, play as much, but if he's not playing as much, he's not getting the opportunity to improve, right? Um, and that's sort of the conundrum that I think every coach in every sport faces is okay, how do I keep my best guys on the on the on the court or the field or the ice or whatever? And and but still foster uh uh uh, uh an environment where these guys can improve. And in some cases the only way to really improve is to get time on the pitch in a meaningful match. Right. So I think this is all valuable and Minnesota United I guess you could call a home draw dropping points. I guess I, I wouldn't call a home draw to the number one team in this week's MLS Western MLS um, no, power rankings um, necessarily dropping points. Although I guess one point at home is technically dropping points. But for all intents and purposes, they haven't dropped points at all, and they they have guys who you know. Wh- hopefully, at some point, we get a consistent run where they have their ideal starting eleven on the field. Where they have all their guys at full strength, and those depth pieces, the the minutes that they're getting now, theoretically, that's going to pay dividends as you get further into the season, right? And that's just not the back line. That that's 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 a lot of positions too. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they can they can sort of take advantage of this opportunity that they're given. Once everybody's healthy, we sort of get a more quality not only starting eleven, but sort of that next five or six guys who will need to step yeah. up, up off the bench as well
1: yeah I mean, if you think about the the backline we had that second half um, with, with Fisher Tabas. so definitely. Uh, it, it's definitely good, good notes for Heath to have for the long term because we we have to assume that Gasper and Menner will end up being healthy for most of the year um, and you know end up being regular players in MLS again. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're we're getting points, uh, and we're learning a lot about the squad. And those aren't horrible things to do in the first two weeks of of a season.
0: We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com. not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here he's also helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result but don't take our word for it just listen to what Kate W had to say she said quote it was excellent to work with he's down to earth approachable not pushy we developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to PenceHomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at Nate at PenceHomes.com. That's P E N T Z Homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's PenceHomes.com, P E N T Z Homes.com. Getting points, but not necessarily getting consistent goal scoring. Um, the attack in and of itself from just an eye test standpoint has looked more dangerous, I think over these first couple matches than it maybe has in years past and all that's great, but it doesn't mean a lot if you're not putting the ball on the net, right? Um, one goal against Philadelphia, really nice goal from Ludd, uh, very, very, I'm I'm not, I'm, uh, I don't even really know the right way to describe this, uh, a, a greasy goal, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a, just a, a weird sort of yeah. Scrappy, no real attacking quality to that. It's just more, hey, yeah. there's a loose ball in front of the net. I'm going to beat my guy to it and tap it in, right? right. Um, so, you know, but it's still a goal. A goal is a goal, right? But you still only get one goal each out of these first two matches. Not a ton of sample size, so I don't think necessarily think it's time to freak out. But as you mentioned in your the right off the top of of your post loons Dom, it still doesn't seem like this this attacking front quite has it all figured out and has completely gelled at this juncture.
1: No, it doesn't. And and yeah, you know, we, uh, Eli and I talked about this, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of quality in the actual players in our, our current front four. Uh, but when you actually see them playing together, you don't really see so much of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, even with, the, the goal that we scored uh, against net or that Minnesota United scored against Nashville. There's aspects of it that feel like great connection. Cause of course we have this sort of free kick routine that is, you know, Reynoso plays to Amaria, uh, Amaria takes a shot, creates sort of a loose ball situation. And then um, Dotson scores it and, and, that, to a degree, is thanks to that free kick routine, but it's also largely an accident, and five times, sits seven times out of ten, it results in a deflected shot from Amaria, and then it just gets cleared. Right? That's not attacking tactics, per se. That's, you know, or successful attacking tactics. Uh, and then through an the, open play through the match, there are a lot of rough moments. You know, I think I talked about it on post-links, but there was literally a moment where Amaria just, like, did, like, a a uh, five-yard pass to a Nashville player, <laughs> like just straight to a Nashville player, um, and like a b- bizarre. It was just like bizarre to see the sort of simplicity of the moment, and 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 most of the attacking players had moments like that to some degree through the the match. And then you know we talked about Lode kind of being missing much of the game, and you know talk about whether how much of that has to do with him, how much of that has to do with how much how many passes he's actually getting, or how many. Uh, spaces are being created for him Um, so yeah you know it's it's an attack that is kind of producing (laughs) kind of yeah uh, but it always seems very laborious and it always seems at the end of the day that a lot of it comes down to sort of like odd moments just being created and not so much a plan or a working plan and that's concerning because at a certain point we're going to get out of this early season stage and all the teams were playing their back lines are going to be in the zone. They're going to be used to what they're doing again. And those odd moments are going to happen less. Uh, And so if we don't have an actual tactical ability to create goals, they're just going to stop coming in total, Mm. in my opinion. Uh, So it's not a panic situation yet, but it definitely is a point of concern. It might be my biggest point of concern with the team right now. It's just that it doesn't really feel like there's a working plan with how the front four and the back players supporting them how they're actually going about attacking plays. Uh, mm-hmm. so and, and you know, in contrast, by the way, to the team we play next who's play who scored seven goals in two games. So it's yeah. it's uh yeah, it's it's a concern for me.
0: It's a concern for me too. And it, it makes me call back to okay, when was this Minnesota United attacking front having the most success? Arguably the most consistent success it's ever had as an MLS club. Well, it was when you had Robin Ludd on the right, Emmanuel Reynoso at the 10, Franco Fragapani on the left, and Adrian Unu up top. Now look, I get he didn't have the most, from an individual standpoint, he didn't have the most um, uh, impactful season last year. Seven goals, we were expecting a lot more, I understand that but who's to say your striker has to be a 15-goal-a-year scorer for your team to have consistent success in the attack why that's sort of been my my problem with the you know anti unu argument i guess for lack of a better term he scored 7 goals but a it was his first year b there were people around him who succeeded in a big way with him on the field. Robin Lud nine goals right next to him. Uh, Franco Fragapane had five. Amanda Reynoso had five. We're expecting more out of Reynoso. Um, he was held you know, for, for different reasons. He was really keyed in from a defensive standpoint. But still, when those four were on the field at the same time, this attack was humming last year now they were scoring they were they were generating a ton of chances they were converting on a decent amount of those chances relative to the entire season's sample size of 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 i guess shooting percentage if you will um so that makes me want to see what that front line can do together in 2022 i get amaria might be a better individual option at the striker position but I want to see if this front front line, I, I know Fragapane is out now for an undetermined amount of time, or, or, or he might be. Um, it, it seems like Long is gonna at least get the start against the Red Bulls on the left if Fragapane can't go. But I want to see this front line get another chance to have that same success together that they had in 2021. And to me, that starts with giving Adrian Anu a chance at the at the number nine. He got a few minutes um, in the Philadelphia match, um, had a chance on goal, probably took too early of, an shot, of a shot, okay. But I, I think there is an opportunity there f- to just see what this front line can give you this year because it gave you so much together last year.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I definitely think you have a, a point that um, when you have a clear disconnect – there's probably it's probably worth thinking about how much of that has to do with the guy who is new or, you know, new as, as new as I'm Maria is. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that has anything to do with his long-term role at the team, but no, it has more to and do that's with
0: not Nothing against Luis Amaria either. Right. This is not. It's more um, of a
1: first five weeks of the season kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm things clearly haven't plugged in yet. So maybe you should give more minutes to the guy that already has literally months ago, right? The shortest offseason in MLS history or something along those lines, literally months ago was playing with these guys and doing relatively well. Um, And, you know, I I talked on postings about how I didn't understand why he wasn't subbed into the national match, even just for 10 minutes at the end. uh, When of course a winner would have been great to get. Uh that was a bizarre decision uh for me from from the management. And uh yeah, you know, I, I, I think you certainly have a point that it'd be interesting to at least give him a game as a starter and see what happens, see if he can plug in to the Reynoso and Lode, and I guess yeah, Fredopani might not be there, but um plug back in with, with those guys that he was obviously doing quite well with at the end of twenty twenty one. And just see if we can get a little more product than we're currently getting, and you know Amaria probably ends up starting again by the time we get you know to to April. But um, I I, if if Amaria is going to continue to play the way he played the first two games for the rest of March, that could be a problem. So Mm -hmm. I I at least, if not starting Unu, by God, sub him in. Sub yeah. him in, especially sure. when we're not already winning. Sub him into mm-hmm. some games. Give him, you know, twenty plus minutes um in games where things aren't working out. I, I really hope that we do see more of him um later this month.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And just looking at the way last season ended, too. I mean, this team needed to grind out a few results at the end of the season. They put up three on Philadelphia at home. They put up three goals on the Galaxy. And a you know in a match where they had to get a result to to make the playoffs, like they were scoring goals at a pretty good rate at the end of the season last year. And the end of the season was really when this front four got a chance to be on the field at, on the same time for four, five, six matches in a row, like being able to start alongside each other. Because as it's been the entire you know ten year of Minnesota United in MLS, injuries have been a major issue, obviously but they were finally able to get that consistent run of play together at the end of the season last year. And it paid huge dividends in goal scoring and attacking production. And I I don't know. I I think a lot of Loons fans and supporters shared my sentiment. I'm like, you know, even though the Portland playoff match was an absolute dud, I was really excited to see how and if this frontline could build off of that success that they had at the end of the regular season. And then Luis Samaria gets thrown into the mix. And as I said, he might be the better individual striker. But at the same time, now you're throwing in a guy who has been with this, who has not played with Mano Reynoso, has not played with Franco Fragapane, has had limited time playing with Robin Lud. even. So, you know, not saying he can't adjust to it and he can't have success, but I, personally, I would rather go with the the formula that's proven it can work it's not like it was iffy on whether or not this front four was able to produce together there's actual hard data and statistics when you're showing when they were on the field together versus when they were not and they're not on the field together over these first two games and guess what we're seeing we're seeing uh uh, as you mentioned it looks a little discombobulated so, I, and I'm, and I'm not saying Luis Maria is not the long-term option at striker. I'm not saying he can't have success on this team. I'm not saying he isn't a vital part of this team. But to me, this, this should have been as the, as Adrian Heath has said, the goalkeeper position is Tyler Miller's to lose. I thought the striker position was Adrian who to lose, despite his lack of individual goal scoring last year. I thought that that attacking front in tandem was able to do enough to see if they could build off that this year. And I think these first couple matches have sort of maybe given us the opportunity to look at this and say, okay, maybe we should try it. Maybe we should put Adrian a new back, back out there and just see if they can have more of the success that they had last season. I don't know, but that's yeah. sort of my, my argument for that, I guess. I, I want to see that. I want to see that given, given a real shot.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, I, I think you've spoken very well on the issue. I don't know if there's much more to say, but I guess my my final little thing I'll throw out there is for the same reason that I felt that uh, Unu shouldn't automatically start over Dinladi just because of the um, paperwork, I don't think Amaria should start over Unu just because of paperwork because he's the new shiny toy. Mm-hmm. So I understand that you want to the guy that just joined and that was good a while back but you know hasn't had two his two games have not been good uh he accidentally kind of assisted a goal i guess but yeah. other than that uh other than that he's been pretty poor uh and we have a guy on the bench who uh, the last time he was given considerable time was infinitely better and you basically haven't let him play so that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me so yeah hopefully hopefully we see something different
0: Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean. Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com, and I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Flora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian National Team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well. It's pretty simple. Just head to StimulusAthletic.com, start a conversation with their amazing team, and let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's StimulusAthletic.com. I digress on that particular topic. Uh, the Loons do travel to play the New York Red Bulls um, on set on Sunday night. Excuse me. Um, and will they or won't they have Franco Fragapani in the starting lineup? He was, um, I guess, kept off at halftime um, due to was uh, clarified as a hamstring issue. So we got 45 minutes of Mangakuli It was sort of more of the same of what we saw in the Philadelphia match. Very good with the ball. Very fast with the ball. Very good uh, getting into space. Very good driving up the pitch with the ball. Um, Finishing has left a little bit to be desired um, over these first couple matches. But he's bringing a lot of energy. And he is the type of guy that I I love the fact that he is very north-south in the way that he he moves with the ball. He gets the ball and he wants to get up the pitch and up the pitch fast. And I, I just, I like that. It's, it's refreshing because even last year and even over the early portions of this season, this team really does have this sort of like fallback of, okay, we're going to attack on the flanks, We're going to attack on the wings and we're going to cross it in and we're going to see what happens. Um, that, you know, it can work in doses, but as a as your i guess your your whole um your whole attacking strategy you need to mix it up a little bit you need to sort of kind of try to drive through the middle of the field when you can attack centrally when you can and Huangwane has really sort of provided that sort of uh uh, impact on the attack so it'll be very interesting to see i don't think any of us want franco franco to be out for an extended period of time or maybe even out for sunday i think he's very very dangerous. Uh, but it will be interesting to see if we do get barakuli Kulichlangwan in the starting lineup, what he can do with that opportunity.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, I think I think everybody associated with Soda sort of soccer basically agrees on on, on this point that Holanwane seems um, like more of the real deal than we realized he was going to be this year. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if the preference would be that Fredipanda would be available and healthy. But given that seems to not be the case for this weekend, I am really interested to see what, uh, you know, an hour plus of minutes looks like for Panwane going against like a very young Red Bulls team that Mm. don't necessarily have a lot of tanks in in their defensive half. um, And who, by the way, conceded um, in every game they've played this, this season so far. Uh, you know, I think that'd be a really interesting matchup. So uh, if the situation continues that we need someone else to be starting in the left-wing position, I I would back him for it. I mean, I don't know who else I, I would rather have there. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's him or I guess you throw loud over there and then <laughs> start someone else on the right wing and I don't think oh anyone gosh, wants. Here we, to there. So, here we go again. So, you know, so I, I, think, I think it makes sense. He's obviously not had a ton of time on the pitch, but every time he is on the pitch, he's often the most energetic player in the entire uh, squad. I think our attack Mm -hmm. actually did get better against Nashville when he came on. We looked, there was more energy. I don't know if necessarily the actual communication was better. I think that stayed the same. But because Mm -hmm. he was being more productive and more dynamic, it, it created at least more momentum for Minnesota. So... um. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see him get a shot, especially against a team that uh, is very sort of volatile, um, like the New York Rebels, and, and and a side that has shown that they can concede even in games are dominating. Uh, yeah, so long story short,
0: I I would back him to start against the Rebels. Uh Wanee on Maria Ludd front line does give me a little bit of pause and concern because um Hlongwane is a you know a, a a natural striker. So that indicates to me that he likes to be central. He likes to be in the middle of the field. Obviously, whoever your striker is, whether it's Amaria, Unu, Danladi, they prefer to be in front of goal. And then you have Robin Lud on the right. Guess where he likes to be? He likes to be central as well. He likes to be in front of goal. So you have three guys on the front line now who really sort of, I guess, ideally prefer to be in the middle of the field. I'm worried about spacing a little bit between those three, to be honest. But either way, it's going to be interesting to see how they can work in gel together.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I I agree that that's uh slightly awkward. And and Eli and I talked quite a bit about how he uh isn't sure that loads best, posi- you know, that perhaps load shouldn't be being played where he's being played. But how mm-hmm. how many strikers we have just leaves that whole conversation kind of impossible to have at yeah. this point. Um, but. Uh, yeah, you know, there's gonna be some guys out of position. Same time, we've been playing a center back to left back for two games, so <laughs> at a certain point, at a certain point, get used to being left of your central preference, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I I totally get what you mean. At the same time, uh, I, I I'd still be interested to see what that uh, that front three would look like.
0: Yeah, uh, I I'm interested in it as well. Um, even if it's Fragapane starting and we get, you know, maybe uh, another situation where Jolongwane comes off the bench, um, you know, gets ext- gets uh, you know an extended time there. Um, you know, I just want to see more of, of what this kid can do. 21 years old, um, pretty exciting stuff. Read John Marthaler's piece on him uh, that came out on Soda Soccer today. Blowing up on sodasoccer.com, by the way. Um, so a really, really good article from John on Bangi and what he has brought to this team so far and how he has already become a key piece for Minnesota United. Um, Speaking of the Loons, they do travel to New York. uh, Red Bulls on Sunday night, 6 p.m. kickoff, um, was moved from the original 1 o'clock time slot. So if you did not hear that, yeah, on the original schedule, it was 1 o'clock. It has now been moved to 6 p.m., so a bit of a Sunday primetime match between the Loons and the Red Bulls. Um, New York has been uh, really uh, – they've been doing work to start the season. Uh, Two road wins, six points, 3-1 and 4-1 respectively on the road. So this is a dangerous Red Bull side um, who can put the ball in the back of the net. Going to be another test for this back line. Uh, We'll be interested to see what the health situation is, if there's any improvement on Roman Metnair or Chase Gasper, or if the Loons are forced to roll with who they've been rolling with uh, over these first couple matches. Um, But either way, it's going to be a test. I think uh, it'll be a good measuring stick, honestly. Um, you know, you're on the road. You could really use a win at this point. I, I think anybody. I, I don't think anybody would sort of uh, turn their head at a draw. I don't think anybody would necessarily hang their head on a draw, I should say. Uh, but if you can go on the road and get three points against a team like the Red Bulls who's playing this well, you're sort of uh, asserting yourself. And I think that's what we want Minnesota United to do right now. If if this is a team that you know at their on their best day, we believe can be a top three team in the West on their best day. I'm not saying they will be a top three team in the West, but I'm saying on their best day, when everything's going well and clicking, they can be a top three team in the West. I think that they they have the potential to do that. If they want to be seen as that team, this is a situation where you go on the road and assert yourself against one of the the against one of the most informed teams in the Eastern Conference or in the entire league right now. Um, but I would take a draw. Still, with all that being said, obviously I'd take a draw, but I think this is a real opportunity for Minnesota United to prove prove what they can do.
1: Yeah, I definitely get what you mean. I think a draw is the more realistic goal, but uh, to your point, if the Loons were able to snag a win uh, in this match, I think that could be a, a really serious turning point for this sort of first chapter of the season, uh, especially with a home game then coming up right after that against the San Jose side who seem to in, uh, enjoy conceding goals. Uh, I, I I definitely think if they could, get, I mean even a draw, but if they could get a, a good result against the Red Bulls, that could definitely create a cas- cascade effect. Uh, I guess uh, that uh, that could spell a really good start to the season overall for for the team. So so we'll see.
0: Yeah, I get a little bothered by the you know after the Nashville match. I get that there were a lot of factors going into what made that game just such a, a messy affair and a draw was probably the, the fair result out of that one. But the, the sentiment the, Oh, they were playing a tough team. It's like, well, when, when is Minnesota going to be the tough team? Like when, when will other pe- teams look at Minnesota? You know, when will we be the team that's like, Oh man, we're going to Allianz field. Ugh, I don't know, man. I, 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 fingers crossed we can escape with a point. Like, you know, that's the, that's a fortress. doesn't matter. Rain, shine, snow, sleet, 100 degrees, doesn't matter. That place is a fortress. Like, that should be the expectation. I don't like this fallback of, oh, it was a tough team. It was conditions. It was this. It was that. I don't know, man. When you're at home, I think you got to – if you want to be the tough team, if you want to be that sort of hosting a playoff game type team and be seen as that, I think you got to, you got to get the job done. You got to, you got to get three points. That's what those elite teams do. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the weather conditions are, no matter what, you know, they could have all the excuses in the world still find a way to get three points. Right. Um, So that's why I want to see Minnesota United sort of go into New York and prove something, make a statement, assert yourself. You want to be that team, go prove it with three points. That's where I'm at.
1: Yeah, um, I mean let's we, move on though. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. If you had if you had a count, if, if you had a point to make. Uh I mean, I was just
1: gonna say, like, it's kind of the point I was making against the whole Nashville thing about how Nashville's really good at draws, but how you know great teams don't care what other teams are good at. Um yeah. so you know, if we if Minnesota can find that gear, that'd be great.
0: Absolutely. Um, Minnesotans doing big things in MLS over these first couple weeks. We talked about uh the the days that Caden Clark branded by Eric Miller had. Uh, last week, Um, but Ethan Finley was the sort of, I guess, the Minnesotan of the week, if you will. I don't know if we want to make that a running thing, but uh, he was the Minnesotan of the week. Two goals for Austin FC in their 5-1 route of Inter-Miami. Talk about goals. Now, again, it's been against Cincinnati. It's been against Inter-Miami, but this has been two absolute routes, 5-0 and 5-1 respectively, for the Verde to kick off their season and the Duluthian himself, Ethan Finley, putting together a brace to uh, wrap up that 5 1 win against the South Beachers. Um, just I'm a really good start for Austin. And it's good that Ethan Finley is sort of making his mark in, in the early going with this new team in Austin.
1: Yeah, I mean, great, great, uh, great for him and, and great from a sort of broad Minnesota soccer perspective to see that he's still able to come into games and and have that effect Uh, you know he was obviously a substitute uh, for that game but uh, came on and and did what substitutes what you hope attacking substitutes do which is he scored a couple goals Uh, so great to see he still got Scott got that ability in him got the touch of the ball still in him and uh, hopefully he can you know help help Austin have a much better season than they did last year other than when they play Minnesota or play games that affect Minnesota uh (laughs) But uh, but yeah, I mean Austin are looking good. Of course, they've mostly played teams that are expected to struggle, so we'll we'll see what they look like as the season continues. But uh, yeah, you know that the the bringing in of Ethan Finley as as support for that front line is is looking like a really good move for them.
0: Yeah, so um, hopefully he can continue to build off that. Obviously, he was a key piece for Minnesota when he was here during basically his entire time that he was healthy. Um, so hopefully he can, he can keep that going. Uh, down in Austin, but a good start for him. Uh, Caden Clark following an assist. Uh, he, he got an assist in their, uh, in the Red Bulls opening match, I should say, against San Jose. He plays 24 minutes in their 4-1 win over Toronto. Um, you had mentioned, Dom, uh, before the season started when we talked about Clark's move back from Leipzig to the Red Bulls, that this was not going to be an easy uh, Red Bulls team for him to break into, that they had a lot of talent, um and they've been showing in the early going with their with these results um 24 minutes for clark so it does kind of go right alongside your thinking there um he did get an assist in the early going but he, he wasn't much of a factor in this one so as the season progresses we'll see if you know we'll see how uh how caden can maybe hopefully he can maybe do uh do a few things uh put together some goals and assists to sort of work his way in um, he's at an, he's had an okay start, but kind of as, as you thought it would go down in the early going.
1: Yeah. You know, the, this Red Bull side have a lot of good players. They brought in some more good players in the offseason. Lewis Morgan had the hat trick in this game, um, signed from Miami, which is a a rough one in retrospect. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough. And they actually, uh, uh for this Toronto game, didn't have uh, Christian Caceres uh in the roster, the game day uh, squad rather in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the details of why that happened, but uh that's a guy who would normally be taking up one of those sort of midfield slash wiener positions, uh and would uh be making it even harder for, for Caden Clark to be in minutes. So you know, when, when when they're fully healthy, especially, uh it's it's a team that's harder to get into unless you're really impressing. So yeah. hopefully he can find uh better opportunities in the next couple games other than this weekend uh no i I don't would but um you know i mean obviously there's a whole a whole year ahead of him but yeah you know like like you said like i said uh this is a tough squad to break into so he this isn't going to be easy this isn't going to be easy and whether he's able to do it or not is a Reasonably an uh, important factor about whether or not he ends up getting a real opportunity in Europe. So he's going to uh, he's gonna have to prove that he has that in him. And if he does, then that's
0: a, a great reflection of his ability. But we have to wait and see if that actually happens. All right, you can call this our 10K Coffee Break. Because it's time to tell you about our friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Ninth Street have been so great to us. And we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Ninth street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Ninth street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United Watch is happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter, at 9th Street MPLS. That's 9th and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, 9thStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com. to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. Eight hundred one South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at 9thStreetMPLS.com. Hey, you know what? Clark can score a brace as long as you know we get an Adrian a new uh, Adrian a new hat trick and a five two win. So you There know, you go. That's that, that's where I'm. That's what I'm thinking there. Um, a couple of other um, Minnesotans to note because they were in Minnesota this last weekend for the uh, for the for the match with Minnesota United. Of course, those are Nashville's uh, Eric Miller, Luke Hawkinson. And teal Boonberry. So um, Eric Miller played the full 90 in the draw, um, conceded his first goal of the season after the clean sheet in Seattle, uh, but an otherwise strong performance for Eric. Um, and cool for Luke Hawkinson, um, he was an unused sub for Nashville, but Minneapolis City, um, you know he used to play for Minneapolis City, and uh, you know some of the staff was there, some of his former teammates were there to cheer him on, sort of brave the elements. Um, so a really cool moment for Luke, uh, had to have been a cool moment for him to have sort of former teammates, um, you know, former people that he grew up playing with sort of in the, in the stands, you know, Eric Miller probably had the same thing, you know, his brother in law is right on the other side and Brett Coleman, um, Brian was there. Uh, so, I mean, cool for both of them. I'm sure it's really great for them to come back and play in front of friends and family and sort of have that, um, have that, I guess, familiarity. With uh, especially for a guy like Eric Miller too, you know, played in Minnesota as well. He was not just from Minnesota; he didn't just play, you know, grow up playing here. He actually, you know, played for Minnesota United for a couple of years. So to not only come back home, but to go back and play for his home team, uh, really cool too. And then uh Booneberry, 17 minutes off the bench, um, no goals, no assists, did get one shot um on the on the night as well so those are how the three Minnesotans fared against Minnesota United um you know interesting that you're playing a side that has more more Minnesotans than your own side does uh being from Minnesota but sometimes it's just how it works out and uh ends up being a stalemate but but cool to see all those guys coming into town and you know just seeing where they've where they've come to where they are now is cool
1: yeah for sure and yeah you know uh well I I was going to say, unfortunately, I, I guess I'll I'll leave it to the listener to decide whether it's unfortunate or not. But uh, you know, the the way things tend to work with how players move in the United States is often a process that leads to locality have having very little to do with what team you play for as a professional, um, which is you know just the condition of how things are here uh but uh but yeah, you know, they're living up to that Minnesota the South title that you gave them and uh at least we get those opportunities to have those players come back and and play or 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 be on the bench uh in Minnesota, which is which is great yeah for obviously Eric Miller, who's an experienced professional for many years now uh but also also for for Luke, you know um newer to that world, but has deep Minnesota connections being from Minnesota. And then of course, Minneapolis city, um, and just growing up here. So, and, and, uh, uh um, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Uh, um, yeah. Teal. Teal. Teal, teal. Um, so, uh, yeah, anyway, point being great to, great to have that local flavor. It would be great to, uh, to have more of those kind of guys on, on our roster of course. And, and we hope that happens, but, uh, but uh, glad that we have the Minnesota, the South, no longer representing us in the East, by the way, but now we have two Minnesotas in the West. So,
0: so all good times. Go. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to Jamie Watson too. Obviously. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, still a, still a native, a native son here, uh, former Minnesota United player and broadcaster um, now doing his thing down in Nashville there. Um n- not Minnesotans, but former Loons doing big things for San Jose. So I think it does deserve a shout out. Um, who would have who saw this coming? Uh, Francisco Calvo scoring a brace, including a stoppage time equalizer in San Jose's 3-3 draw in Columbus. If that's enough, both of those goals assisted by Jan Gregish. The Gregish to Calvo connection. The former Loon connection was there uh, in a major way to draw the Earthquakes level. Um, with the crew um, just a really kind of, I guess a weird set of circumstances not only did this happen but this happened during the uh, the lightning delay too yeah so it was like former loons putting on a show for the Minnesota United fans who can't watch <laughs> their own team uh, but uh, I don't know just just one of those cool lightning strikes type situations yeah. um, Calvo continues to be one of the most I think hilarious and intriguing players. I know Minnesota United fans of yesteryear uh won't agree with me on the hilarious part. Um but I find just the way I find him hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I I find it to be hilarious and entertaining. And you know what if you if you can make it work, if you can get that gig by all means. Um and San Jose is probably the perfect spot for him as Matthew Doyle mentioned on Twitter. It's definitely um sort of the the way that, that Almeida likes to likes to play. Just absolute chaos. Um, that's what Calvo brings, but it paid dividends with the three-three draw in Columbus. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, yeah. I there's a a lot of mixed feelings about about him retrospectively uh, and his time in Minnesota United amongst amongst the fan base as you as you noted, but um, he always, you know, in a way, this isn't surprising because one of his one of the pros to having him in the squad was always that he actually was quite a dangerous presence in the opposition box. Um, so, and he actually grabbed a, a couple goals over the years for the loons. Um, not a brace from what I recall, but, uh, but, but a couple of goals. Uh, that would have been nice. A couple of those would have been nice in 2017. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, he was always that kind of player. Like you said, kind of chaotic had, had his games where he was really good. Um, and, and, and also, you know, he scored twice, but he conceded three times. So, you know, but yeah, uh, <laughs> But yeah, anyway, it's 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 it is cool to see ex Loons kind of doing their thing in other teams. Obviously, he was here at Chicago for a while before this, mm-hmm. uh, and and for for Yondures, just kind of cool to see the next chapter in his career developing. Obviously, a, a, a fresh departure from from the Loons. Uh, but it's, you know, both of them look like players that kind of, as you noted, and as uh, uh, Matt Doyle noted, um, they very much fit the sort of creative, chaotic attacking vibes of the San Jose earthquakes right now under Um Almeida. So uh, yeah, look, look, look forward to uh, look forward to seeing how this, this season goes for them. I wouldn't be too worried about them stealing a playoff spot from Minnesota United, but uh, I think they'll probably produce some really entertaining results. So.
0: That's a great way to summarize them. They won't be competing really, but damn it they'll be entertaining and they'll be in minnesota uh, in two weeks or in a week and a half or whatever so there you go yeah uh 10 days yeah uh yeah that's the next time minnesota will be home is uh hosting san jose hosting jackson Yule, young Greg, and san francisco calvo so a little bit of, another homecoming yeah. the homecomings keep keep coming fast and furious but uh um that'll be another one uh when the loons return home on the 19th but anyways um other news To get to this just broke today, actually, at the time of recording. This is pretty cool. Um, The Minnesota to New York Red Bulls 2 pipeline continues. Uh, That's, you know, the kind of the route that Caden Clark went. And now, Chaska, Minnesota native Daniel DeLeon signs for New York Red Bulls 2, signs a USL championship contract. Um, Former Vlora FC player as well. So very cool to see sort of that uh, that Vlora, that UPSL presence um with red bulls too and now again this is sort of I, I guess a little bit of a pipeline now and um it's another great opportunity for a young hungry minnesota soccer player to make their make their mark on the on the professional stage
1: yeah uh you know there's obviously a an asterisk to all, to all this that it one has to wonder what the Chances were that he could have, you know, been uh, brought into the the growing Minnesota United network. Um, but, you know, I mean, with this opportunity, he's going to be playing at a higher level. He's going to be playing the USL Championship with uh, a, a Red Bulls 2 team that in the last couple of seasons has had some rough results, but has always been a very sort of competitive, high-energy team. Uh, Produced, obviously, a lot of good players, including guys that you see week in, week out now and in the past for uh, the first team in MLS, so uh, it's an second opportunity for him. It's cool to see uh, a guy that's been in the the UPSL in this area uh, get this big chance. It's kind of actually cool uh, to see the official announcement from the Red Bulls specifically name Valora in the UPSL. Um, as a complete background note, people that are kind of in the lower league scene will be familiar w- with the fact that a gripe that teams at that level and the NPSL UPSL often have is that if you don't play for USL lead two, you don't get mentioned in player announcements usually uh, for, for USL and MLS teams. So, uh, you know, kind of cool that that happened. That was, that was nice to see. And uh, yeah, again, great to see more Minnesotans damn professional opportunities and hopefully he has a, a good season with the Red Bulls. Yes.
0: Yeah, so there's a tweet here from Red Bulls too, also saying that De Leon started all four of their preseason matches Walked 302 minutes and actually scored the go-ahead goal in their preseason finale last weekend. So um, you have to assume that if he was not signed at this point that he was sort of playing as a trialist um, and he he earned a spot. So very, very cool um, to take advantage of the opportunity, right? Opportunity presents itself. You got to take advantage of it. That's what that's what Daniel did. So good on him. Um, Another player taking full advantage of the opportunity they were given as a trialist is former Joy of the People and St. Cloud State University product, Emmanuel Iwe. He signs a professional contract with MNUFC2, so he'll be competing in MLS Next Pro this summer. Um, we had speculated and sort of uh, thought that this would be coming after the opportunities that he was giving for Minnesota United on an MLS level in preseason. Um, as a trialist, given consistent opportunities to get on the field, scored the game-winning goal in their preseason match against Orlando. Um, you know, talk about taking advantage of an opportunity. Um, and he finally gets that sort of uh, uh, that that satisfaction and that that final signing on the dotted line. Uh, Manuel Iwe is going to be playing for Minnesota United. Too really cool that Minnesota United is able to keep a guy like him um, in Minnesota, in state. Um, and have that opportunity to do so. And that's what Minnesota United Two brings. That's, that's what they're there for is, you know, obviously there's going to be talent from around the country, but I think their main goal should be to make sure a Kate and Clark situation never happens again. You can do not lose a guy, um, you know, who has uh, uh, that kind of potential because you don't have a reserve team option for them. Um, And that's what MLS Next Pro and Minnesota United 2 offers. And maybe Emmanuel Eway is going to be that first example of that, of that actually paying dividends. And for Minnesota United specifically, having a guy like that in your system. Only time will tell, but really cool.
1: Yeah, it's great. And, you know, uh, your point is, is of course, great. The whole point of how Minnesota United 2 now existing allows for these sorts of players not to get picked up um, by, you know, Rebels, or whatever, or you know, another MLS team, uh, or another MLS team's affiliate network. Uh, the other side of the coin, too, is you know, there are a lot of situations, especially because he plays for a a D2 school. There's a lot of situations where someone like him just ends up not becoming a professional football player, uh, because whatever local power is near him doesn't have the right network to pick him up, which was the case until recently for Minnesota United. And so, you know, maybe he tries to go other places, but if the right scouts must see him at the right time, just doesn't happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe he tries and goes and, you know, goes off abroad to try and make something happen or whatever. But, uh, you know, that's not an easy situation to go pro. And there's a lot of good D2 and NPSL North players that, you know, never, never end up being able to quite get things connected the right way because the infrastructure isn't there. So. Uh, great to see that that's not going to happen to him, it seems like. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think him being on that team, on that Minnesota United 2 team, instantly is like a big deal for that team. I think that he is a really potent weapon for uh, a team that's presumably going to be playing in a young league with a lot of sort of raw talent. Uh, I-, I could see him being a really important piece. He was genuinely so good last summer when I watched him uh, relatively consistently incredible so you know if he can continue to ride that wave and and develop in in a even just sort of a standard way from making that jump into the professional game i i think he could have a really big impact on this team and you know i don't think that the idea of him either you know getting a, a good loan to the usl championship or eventually breaking into the first team in some capacity i don't even think that's that crazy long down the road I think that that's a, a tangible possibility in the next you know couple of years because uh, this is an extremely talented player. We've obviously interacted with him. He's a pretty you know mature professional guy. Um, it's not a crazy kid or anything like that. You know, I I think that mm-hmm. he seems like the kind of person that can take this kind of opportunity uh, with uh, with good composure, and uh, yeah, really excited. Really, is, I mean, and, and even with the DeLeon sign, really excited to see guys that are obviously playing at, you know, the collegiate or, or high school local levels. But then, you know, trying to do their thing in the UPSL, NPSL, really happy to see those guys uh, getting genuine opportunities in the professional
0: game. What, both of these, Daniel DeLeon and Manuel Iwe, what a feather in the cap of the local lower league Minnesota soccer scene, right? Yeah. To have two guys who came up, you know, and it's not just the NPSL, right? I mean, Daniel DeLeon came from the UPSL in Vlora. Like it's the Minnesota Lo- lower league scene as a whole that is is sort of breeding these players now. And you have to imagine that if you're Minnesota United and you're scouting for your MLS Next Pro team, you're probably heading out to some NPSL North games, UPSL Midwest games to, to check out some of the talent here locally because – these guys are our proof. I mean, there, there are more of them out there, but these guys are sort of that initial proof that there are studs and there are legitimate um, pro potential players being breeded here in Minnesota in the lower league scene. You don't need necessarily come up through, uh, you know, the, I, I don't know, come up through the academy system the whole way, right? You can play in the UPSL. You can play in the NPSL, still show out, and still get that opportunity. Um, and I yeah. think the more that happens, the more these teams will be looking at these leagues and these teams. Like, I, I, why Why wouldn't you go? If, if you if you think that there is a player out there in one of these leagues who could fit your team, why would you not go and, and scout some of these matches too, right? Why would you not head out to, you know, um, St. Paul and, and check out a UPSL match? Why would you not head out? out to ador nelson field and check out an nps on north match like they're there are really really good players in these leagues um that could be your next big thing if you're if you're an mn ufc two or another mls next pro you know organization like yeah. it's it's happening man it's it's crazy but it's awesome and
1: yeah i'm just going to double down on what you said but if you're if you're at M- uh, minnesota united two, by the way i mean if you're Union Omaha and Forward Madison, and Union Omaha yeah. kind of did this because they signed Damian Vieter, who played a, a summer with Duluth. But yep. um, if you're even those teams were in Europe at a similar level, you know, in the pyramid, anyways, you're on a similar level. Um, but certainly Minnesota United too, for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, you should be paying more attention to this stuff. I mean, anybody that's been, you know, watching the MPSL North for a while, and I'm sure it's the same to UPSL. I'm just more familiar with the NPSL, but um for years, so many guys that were so good, but you know, it just there wasn't the right environment for them to go pro. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody that's you know, particularly the teams that have thrived, the the loose, the Minneapolis cities, the Med Cities. You looked at, you know, the Oliver Brothers, uh uh Whitney and Martin Brown at City, you looked at the the Kyle Ferrar's and the Tom Corcorans and the you know, all, all those guys up in Duluth. I mean, there's just so many fantastic players that have come through that conference. But, you know, the right situation wasn't quite there with the teams in the area. Maybe they're not the right age or didn't go to the right college, and it just nothing happened. And uh, it's a shame that that happened, that that was the way things were. But the best thing you can do about that is is change it now for the next wave of players. And that seems to be happening. And that is, that is a huge deal. That's really exciting. Uh, and and I, I know it means a lot to the people that, you know, are involved with those teams involved with that, that level of the game, because we see a lot of great players but in the back of your mind, you know, it's going to be real tough for those guys to ever go beyond that level, because it's tough for anyone to go beyond that level. So mm-hmm. yeah, again, great to see it happening. And, and also great to see a lot of, Great to see it happening to guys playing at a level here who are actually from here as well. That's also a great part of all this. So, yeah, really exciting.
0: Yeah, and we're going to transition to talking about St. Thomas in just a second. But on that note, if you're if you're a player for the Tommies and you're looking at like, okay, what am I going to do over the summer? All of a sudden, staying local and playing in the NPSL North or playing in the UPSL that becomes a much more attractive options if you see guys from that league signing pro contracts, right? um yeah. you know, as, aside from going back to wherever their hometown is and playing in a, in a team over there and in, a, in sort of a, a controlled academy environment or whatever it is like all of a sudden it's like oh i could stay local i could play you know in this npsl north conference and i could it, it could provide me a platform you know I, I, outside of playing d1 which is a pretty good platform in and of itself but if I could sort of keep that momentum and keep that platform over with what I'm doing over the summer too, man, that's, that's, that's valuable to somebody at that level. I think.
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, this is, you know, by the way, ben, a topic a lot of the art been writing for, for soda soccer, but uh, you know, just the, the pathways right now, the pathways in general that we have uh, in the United States for how you get from each step of the game to the next are all, They've just been too foggy, too difficult to track, too too difficult to navigate as a, you know, by the way, a young person that realistically you're going to be young when you're doing all these and doing all this and making these big decisions. Um, too complicated, and uh, we need that to change. We need that to change to have better talent, make it all the way to the top. So great to see Minnesota playing a role in all of that, however small that may be in the grand scheme of things. Um, if it if it helps even just a couple players, you know, dreams come true that otherwise wouldn't have been able to. That 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 should be enough for for to put a smile on everybody's faces. So, uh, yeah, I mean, great to see it at the collegiate level. Things improving the amateur level, and and now with
0: M- and Minnesota United too
1: at the professional level. Hundred
0: percent. Um, so speaking of the Tommies, they announced two Minnesotan additions to their men's roster. Um, Andre Clifton, who went to De La Salle High School and is from Minneapolis, he will be joining the Tommies. And Bennett Kwame, um, also from Minneapolis, but he went to St. Louis Park High School, plays for Joy Athletic as well. Um, he, will, Both those guys will be joining the Tommies, so good to see St. Thomas rounding out their roster, um, continuing to round out their roster and bring in new, fresh uh, Minnesota talent. Um, you know, that's something that we've, you know, I've spoken to John Lowry on multiple occasions, most recently for a spring college soccer recap that you should, or uh, excuse me, a spring college soccer preview. You should go check out at sodasoccer.com or on our YouTube channel, or excuse me, not on our YouTube channel. Uh, is it on our YouTube channel? Actually, no, it's mm-hmm. not our YouTube channel. No. It's on our podcast feed. So go check yeah. that out. Sorry. Trying to keep it all, trying to keep it all organized. <laughs> in like, Check it out on the podcast feed. Check it out on sodasoccer.com. Um, That was really good. But um, what I was saying is that that's sort of a a point of emphasis for John Lowry and the St. Thomas staff, similar to how Minnesota United, too, is a way to sort of keep that, um, you know, pro potential talent in Minnesota. St. Thomas wants to be that beacon of keeping that really, really good high school um, heading into college soccer talent in Minnesota at St. Thomas in state. Um, and that's something that uh, uh they're obviously continuing to um prioritize with these two signings. Um, John, do you have anything to add to that?
1: Oh, I mean, just just a, you know, doubling down on what you said, it's it's good to see that that St. Thomas is kind of sticking to that that mission and that message of of that local connection, that local talent. And yeah, I mean, for for that D1 status to truly improve. Minnesota soccer, Minnesota soccer players have to be part of that journey. So uh, great to see that that is going to continue to be the case. And uh, and both these guys, you know, look like like they're great talents, and uh, it's cool to see again, you know, that NPSL connection in the case of um, in the case of um, uh, Bennett uh, playing for Joy. So yeah, again, it's all it's all good and it's all great. Great signs of the health of of the game at that level in
0: Minnesota right now. Uh, a couple more notes. First, our friends over at Dynamo FC St. Cloud—they have been uh, guests on the podcast before, so go look in the archives for that episode. A really good interview with them. But in um, the MASL, they just put out their new kits for 2022, um, and it's a stimulus athletic product, so you know it's fresh. You know it looks great um, the, the bolt kit. And I can't remember what the other one is, but basically they're, they're each black and yellow. Um, and they have sort of like the lightning design and it's just a really, really nice looking kit. Of course, stimulus athletic. Um, it's going to be a nice looking kit. Um, 60 bucks. If you want to grab one, you can check it out on their website or on their Twitter at dfcstc on Twitter. If you want to check that out. Um, really good stuff from our friends over at Stimulus Athletic and Dynamo FC St. Cloud. Um, we're going to plug a few stories up right now at SodaSoccer.com, but first one final notes. Um, so Minnesota Aurora, um, you know, just started, uh, or I shouldn't say just started. It's been about a week or so ago that they actually, um, began the season ticket process. Obviously you have the deposit, they have the deposits that you can put down. Well, now's the time where you can actually buy season tickets. Um, and i don't know what the exact numbers are but our friend over at west berdine who is you know from 551 one of the one of the founders of minnesota aurora had mentioned that they're exceeding NWSL levels of season ticket sales right now um which based off the community support that they had with the community ownership campaign and the excitement around this team it's crazy that it's not surprising dom like, it's not surprising because of that, but it's crazy to think that a semi-professional soccer team outdrawing or out, I guess, from a season ticket perspective, outdrawing NWSL teams. It's crazy to think that that that's not surprising, but that's sort of the case. And it's it's just kind of furthers just how, how big a deal this is to people in this state um, that we have this women's team, no matter the level uh, that we have sort of this women's team that represents the whole state and is uh you know it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting there, there's just this, continues to be this buzz and excitement around it um that's just it's, it's awesome to see continue to manifest itself as we get closer and closer to that season kicking off in may
1: yeah and you know uh not not to uh, bring back uh, an old inside joke on the pod but uh makes you wonder if the usl super league is coming to minnesota in the near future uh, yeah but uh <laughs> oh, the uh oh hat time let's do it, let's do it uh, <laughs> conspiracy theories but uh, no yeah look it's it's awesome that that they're obviously it was great that they were getting so much support to begin with but it's it's great to see if that's continuing to translate into uh you know or sort of physical um embodiment that there's going to be people you know buying tickets to the games um and yeah you know look uh, it, it's. Uh, it's an important reminder that you know there's a quite a discrepancy between the NWL teams that have massive support and have uh, weaker support. The Portland Thorns, for example, have a huge fan base. Uh, the Houston Dash and the uh, uh, I I got Gotham, I believe now is the name of the team uh, have historically not have have not had huge support. You know, so so there's a variety there, and I imagine that they're beating those those lower teams, but anyways i mean the, it's a huge deal to be selling a, above average of of professional teams regardless and uh yeah it's a, it's a great reflection of the passion that this state has for uh and I, I imagine also surrounding states have for um for the game for for the women's game for women's soccer uh and hopefully we can uh you know see good atmosphere when all these people show up to the games uh, this year yeah yeah very very cool
0: um, so a few stories up at SodaSoccer.com right now. We already talked about John uh piece on Manga Kuli Um, All the cool kids are checking that one out, so go do that. Um, Jacob Schneider, our Minnesota United reporter, really good match review on the, uh, the monsoon slash uh, just craziness uh, in that home opener against Nashville. Um, he also had a great feature on DJ Taylor as well um, up on the site. So go check those out from Jacob. Um, I also had a great interview with spam FC. Um, it's sort of an annual interview I've done now with spam FC over the course of this podcast ahead of their, um, you know, their, their scholarship fund and their scholarship applications. So, um, the spam FC scholarship fund, just kind of Cliff notes on that has been around for about seven years now. Um, and this, and they have given out scholarships to, um, prospective college students um, high school seniors um, in the St. Louis Park area. Um, you have to fill out an application basically, you know, and, and you have to sort of fill it out with the the topic of of how soccer has sort of impacted your life. You don't have to be a soccer player, but soccer has to have impacted your life in some way, shape or form. Um, and this year, they're actually giving out $30,000 in scholarships, which is really cool. Uh, so I talked to their board members, Van and Amy, about this year's scholarship fund, about the impact it's making. Um, it's just a really, really cool thing that those guys are doing over at Spam FC in St. Louis Park. Um, they play in the Minnesota Amateur Soccer League Divisions 1 and 3 in the summer, but the impact that they make you know, is, is really far beyond what happens on the field. So um, really, really good interview ahead of uh, when uh, scholarship applications were opening up. Those applications are open up now. Um, so go to our YouTube channel and check out that interview if you would be so kind. All right. It is top four time, Dom. And this is how we're going to end the episode this week with our top four favorite MLS loons. I started this with saying, okay, we're going to give our top four best all-time MLS Minnesota United players. But I was like, you know what? No, that's kind of boring. Let's go with favorite. So that way it kind of leaves it up for interpretation on on kind of the criteria that we're using to determine our favorite. Um, So we're going to go four to one pageant style like we always do um dom you have a uh, you have some interesting ones on the uh on the sheet here so i'll let you go first well i guess i'll i'll rev- well i'll do two reveals to the audience
1: the first reveal is that i have a joke list on our our podcast notes of my my four which uh, includes the illustrious uh, Vadim Vadim demodov Kadri uh bob and brandon allen who made one appearance for the team on loan for some reason i like uh, how
0: you called him bob like that's just like well that's
1: what they put on the back of the jersey jeremy so <laughs> this
0: is just bummed. but uh
1: shout out to fernando um my real first one will be uh and, and jeremy kind of guessed this ahead of the show but uh, i'm gonna start with him anyway because he's the greatest minnesota united player of all time is ibsen uh who, uh, of course, had some great times with the team in the NASL, but we're, kind of, we're going to warm up for on the MLS side of the team's history. Uh, a time in which he was probably having less highlight reels than in the NASL, but he still ended up being probably my favorite player to watch, particularly uh, in that first season or two when I was able to go to games in person a lot more. So I was actually seeing him live uh, quite a bit, which was very fortunate for myself. Uh, And he was just, you know, he. he, look, I I know people, they're going to hear this. And the first thing they're going to say is they're going to highlight a couple of mistakes he made in various games where he made like a bad pass or, you know, this sort of thing. And that definitely happened. I'm not denying that. But, you know, these days, a lot of soccer teams and football teams across the world do not have players that are fun the way Ibsen is fun. And by the way, he's actually still playing. He plays in the lower leagues of Brazil now. Nice. Um, he actually made like a a regional cup final like a year or two ago. Um, anyways, uh, he was so fun. I remember I was at the game and I was he was on the side of the field that I was sitting on when he did that thing where he dribbled like in a circle while he was on the ground and he like kicked it up <laughs> into the. It was just magical and fun. It made no sense. It was very casual in the sense that it was chaotic as shit for, and it was not necessary. But it was so great. It was so fun to watch him. And when he did have a great moment, it was like, you know, chef's kiss. Uh, I was so sad that I didn't see either of his goals for the team in 2018. I didn't see them in person. Uh, I would have, oh my God, I would have given an arm and a leg to have been there when he did that made <laughs> flick goal against Houston. Uh, that created that famous photo of him looking at the camera. Uh, but yeah, anyway, point being. Just what a player. Just what a fun player. We live in a time now where it's all about stats and mechanics and all this stuff, and he just didn't care about any of that. He was just there to have a good time, and it's just an old-school kind of guy. And uh, Me and my my dad both loved watching him live, so Ibsen is my first one.
0: I wonder how Ibsen would gel with this 2022 Minnesota United team. Oh,
1: God. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even want to think about that. Just to be honest, it'd probably be horrible. But uh, just Go fragapati
0: would just like punch him in the
1: face, like, <laughs> 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 or they would team up in every fight and be you know that's true. Ibsen
0: liked drama too, so Ibsen would start it and fragapati would finish it. Yes. that's what would yes. happen. That's, that's what, what would it. happen. Oh man, that's great. Uh, uh, my number four, my my list is is very like it's got some recency bias to it. Um, we mentioned on one of the previous shows that it might have been last week's show. Actually, it was last week's show. Um, that I, my first Minnesota United game was actually the 2018 St. Patrick's Day opener at Chicago. Um, so I don't necessarily have sort of like the 2017 history, even like the early part of 2018 is a little bit blurry to me. Um, so my list is a little bit more recent than the fact that it's like late 2018 to now, basically. Um, and uh, only one of my picks is actually still on the team. Um, and that's my number four. Um, I wrote, I love Robin Ludd. Um, just his, the, his, the way he, he goes about his business on the pitch. I don't know if it's the bow and arrow thing. I don't know if it's the Robin, Robin hood, Robin Lud thing. Um, I don't know if it's the fact that like everybody hated him. And now he's like the best player we have. Uh, like, I, I think it's kind of all of that mixed into one. Um, but like, I don't know if you put a gun in my set and say, who's your favorite Minnesota United player, like active Minnesota United player right now. Um, my, my answer far and away would be Robin Lud. Um, just, I don't know. I I love the way I just love the way he, he, he plays. And, um, even though he's not a striker, he always seems to get in front of goal with the ball and put it put in the back of the net. And that's, that's all you can really ask for. Right. So, um, he's my number four. Yeah. Just as a, a quick, you know, uh, to that, uh,
1: yeah, you know, it's funny. I remember when he first joined, people were very unsure. When he first joined Minnesota United, people were very unsure. He had come from uh, the Spanish second division. And a lot of them, you know, and, and I was talking to people saying, well, you know, I mean, if you look at where MLS gets talent these days, it's not that crazy to get someone from the Spanish second division who's done well in in Finland prior. You know, that that's that's a pretty um, usual kind of pattern. Because, you know, when people see it's not the first division of a place, people get concerned. Uh, and things started rough and I very quickly was like, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but you know, patience proved key with him. And, and, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast about how there was positional issues with how he was originally played with the team. And, uh, that got figured out. And and I imagine also, he also just got more acclimated to the team and to the league. And now, like you said, I mean, Minnesota needs him. He is a crucial player in this team. Bible. Even though the team still, as Eli and I discussed uh, last week, doesn't know where to play. <laughs> it's still not really clear where he should be played, but it doesn't even matter at this point because wherever mm-hmm. he gets played, he tends to put in a very good performance. Um, so, yeah, no, absolutely. He, he deserves, I think, more uh, more appreciation from the fan base, even now than I think he, he gets. Uh, my third... Yeah.
0: My third is yeah, I was, was going to say that is, might be another thing that like endears Robin load to me is is like he's oh, sure. been asked to play quite a few different positions, like the false nine thing, like what the heck yeah. is a false nine? Like I don't know. It's just like he's but he seems to find a way to have success, um, despite the early portion of his career on the left. Don't need to go over Robin on the left again, but um, everywhere else, you know, he's been asked to yeah. play the ten. He's been asked to play striker. He's been asked to play on the right. He's he's excelled in all of those positions and i think that sort of uh i guess that that flexibility that he has it's not something that minnesota united has really seen much of but it's been so so necessary to their their success so that's right absolutely uh my third will be the
1: only defender on my list and it's a guy that uh, is still with the team and i think is you know appreciated these days for sure but uh, i think a lot of people kind of forgot that there was much less enthusiasm when he first joined, and he's been with the team a long time, and that's Michael Boxel. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate the journey that this uh, guy has had with Minnesota United over the years. He joined in the summer of 2017, so uh, you know several months into that season, uh, at a point in which essentially Minnesota United had realized that almost all of our center backs that we had were not starter quality. We needed to go out and get other ones, and uh, he he stepped up and and very quickly became uh, not only an option to start but almost a a must start for the team. He's he's grown into a leadership role. He's not currently the captain, but you know it it seems pretty clear that he's amongst the sort of guys that have that leadership power in the locker room, and uh, and he's also you know proven to be a, a really strong. Uh, piece for this team and actual results. Uh, and I also, I think part of it is I appreciate the story of, of him as a player a little bit. You know, he uh, obviously from New Zealand, grew up there, comes to the U.S. Uh, for college, uh, gets into MLS first with the Vancouver Whitecaps, plays a season there, doesn't go very well, goes back to New Zealand, plays in the A-League, plays in South Africa, it becomes a New Zealand international kind of doing well kind of not you know a little bit of a roller coaster comes back to Minnesota United first thing most people think is like oh, didn't this guy kind of fail the first time he was in MLS yeah. and 100 plus uh, appearances later is kind of proving everyone wrong and proving that he's a really solid MLS level center back and uh yeah. you know he's a centerpiece to this team and that's that's a really impressive journey for a person to go on a lot of players get lost on that journey yeah. uh most players get lost on that journey. So, I mean, that's even just credit to him as a person, as a character uh, to do that. But uh, along with that, you know, he's been a really engaging player to watch. And uh, I, I look forward to however much laundry we have him
0: in Minnesota because he's a, a special player in a lot of ways. I mean, for my money, if you were to hand out like an MVP award for the first five years of Minnesota United, it'd be Michael Boxall. Like, I don't know. I don't even know if there's really even much of a, much of a debate there. Um, He has just been so consistent. So like, like the quality he provides at the center back position, the things he's able to do the, I mean, just how vital he has been to this team and their defensive success. Um, It's, it's just been, I mean, what, I can't even put into words kind of the impact he has made on this team at early going, but the success that they have had and sort of the, the, trajectory that they have taken upward into this sort of you know perennial playoff contender team in this short time um it's it's been largely due to the production and the play of michael boxall so 100 totally agree with you um all right my number three is a goalkeeper but it's not a current minnesota united goalkeeper i'm going with one vito minone for my number three um easily the best season from a goalkeeper that we have had in Minnesota United he was MLS goalkeeper of the year although there's some debate on whether or not he actually should have won the the award he did and um you know if you take out other performances from other goalkeepers i think that you know he was so crucial to the team's success so i think just ended up in and of his own performance he was worthy of that award in, in 2019 but um, you know, just there's, he was one of the main reasons that this team was able to not only make the playoffs, but host a playoff game in their third season, um, was largely due to the play and, and the, and the work along that, uh, goal line from Vito Manone. So, uh, and just the way he carried himself, I mean, you know, he was not afraid to show emotion. I mean, the, the Dallas game comes to mind when he saves that late PK and the place goes nuts. Um, I don't know if, I don't think I'll ever forget that moment to be honest that's one of like the top three I think most memorable moments for me um in in Minnesota United MLS history is that particular moment um and I don't know he just provided he provided a lot of those that year and uh I don't know he was just he was, he was a great goalkeeper had the personality um yeah I, I loved Vito so that's my number three
1: yeah you know I think um for better or for worse I think sometimes when people talk about him in an MLS context um that discussion gets affected by some of the stuff that happened after 2019 Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that distracts from talking about his actual performances for Minnesota United and uh, you know, whatever may have happened after that season uh, the fact is that, like you said, he was so crucial to that 2019 run uh, and making the playoffs and hosting a playoff game and uh, we wouldn't have Minnesota United wouldn't have done where it got that year without him. I mean, just no question. Uh, and uh, you know, obviously, after he left the team, he's had sort of an up and down journey in Europe. But uh, that that one year, I mean, there's there's almost no goalkeeper I would have rather you know had stuck in that position. So, uh, yeah, just just a, a sort of a monster of a season, out out of nowhere to a degree uh, for, yeah, for him. Yeah, seriously and uh yeah yeah i mean that's that's sometimes what happens in in mls so uh it was it was good to be on the on the positive side of that uh that year Mm -hmm. um for my number two i'm actually gonna change this one because my number two is someone that i know you're is on the top half of your list uh so i'm just gonna do someone else just keep variety um sounds good uh and it, you know, I'm, I, I guess I lied earlier because this person is a defender and this is like, this isn't, you know, to be honest, this is more of an NASL pick than an MLS pick, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick Justin Davis. Um, Ooh. who, uh, only played one year in MLS for the team in 2017. He was a carryover from, from the NASL roster. Uh, and then, uh, he actually moved to, uh, Nashville, uh, before they joined MLS, the USL championship version of Nashville is where uh, he last played. But, uh, you know he was such a sort of interesting, gritty, fun defender to watch, um, and he he brought a lot of that. You know he was famous for drinking uh, a beer with the fans after games, a couple different occasions, um, and escapades like that. But um, but you know he he certainly had a lot of quality. The jump to MLS was certainly a challenge for him, as was it for that entire roster. Um, but you know. I will say that one, one shiny moment that he did have with the team in that, that first MLS year, that was a struggle for everybody was that he played the entirety of our first MLS win, uh, against RSL, uh, that was a four 2 win, uh, and, uh, obviously that means the defense didn't do its job perfectly, but, but, uh, I always remember, you know, that we, we did, we won that game with a lot of NASL influence. He was a big part of that. He did not maintain that that role for the rest of the year, but uh, he's just kind of a, a warrior of a defender and a, and a legendary personality with a lot of the fan base, and uh, he had a, a huge impact on the character of that fan base and of the team uh, leading into its its joining MLS. So, anyways, I'm just going to throw a shout out to him instead of who I was going to say, um, and uh, and you know give some love to I guess the the NASL days.
0: Uh, my number two is, I think, far and away the most exciting and exhilarating player to ever play for Minnesota United at this point. And I think it's going to take somebody, like, extremely special or extremely chaotic to overtake that role. Uh, my number two is Darren Quintero. Now, I understand why, you know, maybe he has left some sour taste in a lot of Minnesota United fans' mouths. I get that, but if you were to ask me, okay, you're going to get any player that's ever played for Minnesota United on their best day, who are you picking? My answer is 1,000% Daryl Cotero. The performances this guy was capable of when he was on were otherworldly, like the LAFC match comes to mind. The um, I believe it was, was it FC the, the 4th of July match? Was it FC Dallas, uh, or Chicago? I was, I can't remember if it or Toronto, mm-hmm. it might have been, I think they're playing Toronto. I think it was Toronto on the 4th of July. He scores a hat trick, yeah. Um, yeah, Toronto, it was yeah. just like magical. Like, there were some days where he was just non existent, but there were some days where it was like watching like poetry. On a soccer pitch, like it was—I don't know. This man was absolutely insane when he was able to put those performances together. Um, The most memorable, the most memorable, like individual performances I can think of, like the top four Darwin Quintero performances. Like it's just, like I don't know. It's just, yeah. When I think of like my early days in Minnesota United fandom, 2018 specifically that 2018 season, I mean. Darren Quintero was a monster for for most of his performances in that season, um, and yeah, I don't know, just pure excitement, definitely for for better or worse, there was excitement with Darren Quintero, uh, and uh, for a lot of those moments, he was you know he was the best player on the pitch in a lot of Minnesota United's matches. I'll just say that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Especially that 2018 season. I mean, he just had some unbelievable games. That Toronto game, the uh, first Minnesota United MLS hat trick, by the way. Um, yep. Or when uh, he he did a hat trick of long-range chips at the keeper. I mean, I don't, even... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't even... I don't even... I don't know if I have to say more than that. Uh, yeah, you know, in, in, in a funny way, he's like... The way I remember him and the way I kind of think people should remember him is like a more productive version of Ibsen. In that there was like this sort of fun, strange magic to him and there were a lot of frustrating moments, but when he was, like you said, when he was on, there were games that it was just like, oh my God, what am I watching? Like, I don't <laughs> think I've seen this. I don't think I've seen this. Like, this is just bizarre. But in a good way, you know, in a fun way. Yeah. Yeah. What a, You know, unfortunately, as you alluded to, it did not necessarily end well and then he went to uh, the Houston Dynamo where things also didn't quite go as well, but but that 2018 season, particularly when, when he joined the team uh, as our first designated player, unless I'm misremembering, Um, yeah. God, what, 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 what a series of performances. Uh, And like you said, that LAFC game as well, uh, just a, just an absolute statement performance from him as well. Yeah. So yeah. Great, great memories of, of, of him. Uh, My uh, number one is a, another attacking player that, for a little while, played with Darvin Uh And it, it's like the super obvious one to pick, but I'm going to do it anyway because should probably be on the list. And that's Christian Ramirez, uh, who, uh, you know, there's a lot of NASL reasons to remember him, but folks in MLS, uh, at a period of time where this team overall simply wasn't very good, uh, Christian Ramirez often worked his butt off and um, the the amount of performances he put out. I mean, he's still got. You know, I I haven't checked in a while. Last time I checked, I believe he was still our top goal scorer all time. That might not be the case now, but it certainly was up until recently. Apologies that I, I don't know for sure if that's the okay. case. Um, but just what a performance, or what 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 a series of performances he put up, particularly in 2017 when we just needed him so badly to have someone reliable in the box to score goals uh and, and he scored some wild ones by the way i mean obviously he scored some short distance headers and shots but also some long range strikes over the you know i remember um in that first home win against rsl 2017 uh he had a kind of great just run in goal but then he also had that goal where he stole the ball off ramondo um and just ran it in <laughs> you know he just had a, he had a lot of tools in his in his toolbox and um and just such an important player while he was here obviously didn't end on great terms uh but but you know if anything they gave him a chance to show his quality across MLS which he also did and now doing so in Europe by the way which is very cool that he's doing his thing with Aberdeen and uh contending for the the golden boot in Scotland um so yeah anyway i mean just about any Minnesota United fan has at least some glimpse of a memory that has to do with Christian Ramirez, and that's because he was just so important for so
0: long. Yeah, I'm trying to find the uh, record books for Minnesota United here. I looked on Wikipedia, which is, of course, a great, great resource, (laughs) a great 100% uh, accurate resource. That's only been updated in December of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe last check... I thought Robin Lud was getting really close um to the record, which I don't know if it's I believe it's held by Ramirez. Um I, and know. I know Robin Lud was getting close, but under pressure here I can't I can't find it. So um he's right there, if not tied.
1: Yeah. He's up Very, there anyways. Yeah.
0: Yes we should probably know this, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's 10 oh, wow. 54 PM. We've been doing this podcast for almost two hours now, probably a record for longest episode in 10,000 pitches history. So here we are. Um Yes. No, Christian Ramirez is a, a, a great answer. I think the local time, you know, I think he's always going to be sort of a, uh, you know, near and dear to everyone in Minnesota United, every off season you just see the calls on Twitter for them to re-sign. Christian Ramirez. So, <laughs> Uh yeah no it's that's totally understandable one and and totally get that the only reason he's not a my list is can, again I don't have that like 2017 early 2018 in an SL type um you know I guess uh emotion emotional connection there right so yeah um but someone I did see a lot of and someone who I said Michael Boxall was maybe the most important uh, or maybe the MVP of Minnesota United's MLS tenure. Um, but this guy is a damn close second um i said when i initially said Boxall was number one i said nobody was close but then i looked at this guy and i was like okay yeah this guy's close um and that's Ozzy Alonzo um what he was able to bring as a defensive midfielder um really helped I, I mean what he brought in the locker room what he brought as a leader what he brought as a captain is one thing but uh, and and that's super super valuable and a part of what, what made him. But if you just look at tactically what he brought on the pitch, um, you know, he was able to single handedly snuff out opposing teams attacks before they even got started. Um, the turnovers, he was able to create in the midfield, the, sort of the brick wall aspect, the assistance that he brought to the back line was so crucial in those sort of, I I guess I call them formative years of Minnesota United's competitiveness. Right. Um, they needed somebody like Ozzy Alonzo if they were going to have the success they were going to have. If that three-year plan, so to speak, was going to come to fruition, um, Ozzy Alonzo needed to sort of be part of that and needed to have that impact he had. Um, really sucks that he's not on the team this year. I think they could really use him, obviously, um, but um, doesn't take away what he brought to Minnesota United over, those th- over that three-year span. Um, I'm really glad that the Loons were able to keep his uh, MLS playoff streak going for those three years too um and that's a lot of that is due to him right so um yeah ozzy's my number one.
1: Oh, for sure. yeah and, and and i don't blame you at all i mean you know ozzy alonzo is an uh mls old timer you know i mean mm-hmm. this this is uh w- without debate one of the greats of of the league's history especially in the sort of modern era and uh the fact that we got to have him for a while is uh Something we're over, that Minnesota, as a as like a soccer state, is very lucky for, um, just the the quality that he brings, you know, even with with age, uh, the quality that he brings to his position, to the entire team, to I imagine the locker room, it's unquestionable. And I mean, the, you know, it doesn't get uh, there's a reason when you know when when Ariaga joined, and you were talking about the different midfielders we have. There's a reason that when we like talk about toughness. It's always in relation to Ozzy Alonso. And that's that's like a league thing even. That's not even just the teams he's played at. You could be talking with a bunch of LAFC fans or something. They probably still compare uh, their guys to Ozzy Alonso because he's just like the definition of mental and physical toughness in this league. Yeah. And, sure. uh, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, just just genuinely one of, one of the greats. the only reason that his reputation isn't like bigger globally is probably just the fact that unfortunately he he can't consistently play for a national team. If he was an international as well, we would probably be talking about, you know, a guy that way more people would know about. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, that aside, just, just such a quality player and, and, uh, a big ad for Atlanta, although obviously he's injured right now, but, um, or not able to play right now, but, uh, yeah, I, I I was at the Allianz opener when he scored uh, against New York, yep. uh, New York City FC, um, and uh, so really the only time I saw him live, unfortunately, from Minnesota. Uh, but uh, I even just that,
0: I feel lucky that I got to be part of that because just such yeah. a special player. Definitely. All right, that's our top four. We've been at this for almost two hours, so that will do it for this week's episode of Ten K. Thank you all so much for tuning in. For sticking around with us for this long, we appreciate appreciate all the support over at sodasoccer.com. If you haven't checked us out, please do. Big thanks again to our sponsors, Pence Homes, Night Street Soccer and Coffee, and Stimulus Athletic. Uh, Post Loons will be live after the Red Bulls match on Sunday. I will be back in the driver's seat for that one, so tune in there. And then, of course, Dom and I back for another episode of 10K next Friday. Or... Wednesday evening. If, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get that early access. So go check that out: Patreon.com/slash/SodaSoccer. Till then, guys, have a great weekend. See ya.
1: status is... i think we're nothing happened while you were gone so that's a good sign i actually you're with go ahead your picture is a lot clearer so yeah so i actually um with my uh, my wi-fi you know we have like the 5g and then we have the backup 2g so i put my laptop yeah. on the 2g and maybe that'll help just to be off of what the, what the phones are on and stuff there you um go. so over that <laughs> yeah that's weird As i don't i don't think we've ever had that problem on my end before but all right um okay starting 11 hopefully. take three